Hey guys, before we start the show, if you're hiring, you need to listen to this because Poached is the nation's top jobs marketplace for the hospitality industry with innovative on-demand staffing technology and permanent hire solutions. Poached gives employees the flexibility and control needed to decrease labor costs and increase productivity. And here's what you want to hear. The month of September, your job post is free in Nashville. So head over to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and go down and find Poached and click that link. You can post any job this month, the month of September. You better hurry. We got 12 more days left. Poached jobs. Uh, you can hire for free in the month of September. I have another testimonial for you guys. Corson Fire and Safety they're doing amazing things. They have come into both of my restaurants, and it's just amazing when you bring somebody in. Kevin Rose is your guy. He went through and did a thorough check of everything, and the company that we were currently using, who I thought was fine, no big deal, but they didn't do half of the work that they said that they were doing. They didn't put half of the tags. So if I had the uh, fire department come in, I would have had some major issues. Plus, they're charging me for stuff that they never did. So I immediately called them, which I had to press one to get an operator. And then I got another operator who had to call me back. And they couldn't explain why they charged me all things. Anyway, I got a couple hundred dollar credit because they're very sorry that their tech had charged me way over. This doesn't happen when you have a guy. That's what Kevin Rose is for. Go get a pen. You want to write this down. 615-974-2932. This is what they do. Anytime there's a fire extinguisher issue, fire suppression issue, you just want to know if your emergency exit lights work, you, you need to get things checked out, and you need to be able to call a person and ask the questions. Something goes wrong. I want to call a person. That's what Kevin Rose is for. He is their restaurant division specialist at Corson Fire and Security. They do fire extinguishers, general fire products, emergency exit lighting, fire alarm systems, fire sprinkler system, fire suppression systems. They do security, monitoring, communications. Man, they're all over it. I'm so excited to have Corson Fire as a sponsor. Again, go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click that Sponsors tab, and go find Corson Fire. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, Super honored today and humbled to have one of my favorite people uh, in this industry, just somebody who I've looked up to so much. Randy Rayburn is going to be on the show today. You want to talk about a guy who has, has made an absolute impact on this industry in Nashville, Tennessee. Randy Rayburn's your guy. He's the owner of the Midtown Cafe. Uh, he's been owner of so many restaurants, though. I mean, the guy's an absolute legend. He's the namesake behind the Randy Rayburn School of Culinary Arts at Nashville State. And uh, he joins us today. We're talking about the 35-year um, anniversary of the Midtown Cafe. You know the guy's good restaurant tour. He's got restaurants going for 35 years. That is absolutely amazing. And today we're talking about he's got a brand new book that he has written about the 35 years in Midtown Cafe. It's got lots of stories. It has 
recipes, kind of all the stuff you want. And that's going to be available October the 1st at Midtown Cafe. He talks all about it. We talked about the state of the national restaurant industry, how he made it through the pandemic, and lots of lots of ideas and things that he's doing right now. Want to say a big congratulations to Memo's Mexican Kitchen. Uh, we just celebrated the best Mexican restaurant in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. We had a bracket challenge, and they were our winners, and we're so excited. Voted by you, the people. Over 10,000 votes is a pretty big deal. We uh, were really excited for them. Got to do a really nice dinner there at their uh, restaurant on September the 16th, Mexican Independence Day. So we had quite the party. You've probably seen people talking about it on, on the social media. Get ready because they're doing a Day of the Dead, I think on November the 2nd. And so follow memos and, and you want to get tickets to that because the food is outstanding. Hey, I want to talk about Gordon Food Service. These guys uh, are the title sponsor for this podcast, but they're also really good friends and they're great guys. You know, one of the things I also do is I negotiate vendor contracts for people. So sitting down, looking over what you use, why you use it, what you're using. And uh, we put we put some numbers together and I help you save some money. But one of the things Gordon Food Service does is they understand exactly what I'm looking for and they understand exactly what it is. And they've been an amazing, amazing partner. So if you're looking to do a negotiate you're looking to go to one company i'm happy to have a conversation with you kind of explain what to look for there's some some insider jargon man 17 years inside that industry i'm happy to help you out send me a message at my instagram brandon underscore nrr that is where you're going to find me you can also find a lot of the cool random things that i'm doing like last night i had extra killers tickets who wants them fun little things like that uh, as I went to Louisville to go see Pearl Jam, what an amazing trip! Uh, just so much fun, crazy. I went by myself. I've never been to like a concert by myself. I just hopped in a car randomly last minute. Said I'm just going to go to a show, and uh, that was crazy. That was just a crazy thing. I've never been to a festival with like a hundred thousand people just by myself walking around. But it was outside my comfort zone, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a great time. So. Uh, Glad to be back. Glad to be putting on an uh, amazing show today for you with Randy Rayburn. And we, uh, we're going to jump right in this Friday. We are going to have Chad Mueller. He is the he, the master brewer over at Tenfold. And then on Monday, we're going to have Flora and Fauna. A week from today, we'll have Flora and Fauna, uh, Hunter and Juliet. They're amazing, amazing people. I cannot wait for you to hear their story. Lots and lots of good things happening. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a wonderful week ahead of you. I will be in Dallas for the Food Service Technology Conference. So get ready. as I'm going to have lots of technology stuff coming at you in the next couple of weeks. New content from me out of my brain. I'm excited about that. Hey, let's jump in right now with Randy Rayburn. Super excited today to welcome in to Nashville Radio the one and only Randy Rayburn. Welcome back to Nashville Radio, Randy. Good to be with you in person instead of on Zoom. We weren't even on Zoom. I'm gonna. I listened to this episode that we did. I think it was April of 2020. Oh yeah. Okay, we are not even we we you were like my sixth interview that I've ever done. You were just starting, I remember. Brand new. And when I talked to you, I was in my bonus room and we weren't even on the computer. I recorded it on my computer, but I had a cheap mic that I bought on Amazon and I had my cell phone in my hand. I, I actually it was like one of these tripods right here. Right. 
and it had the cell phone next to the same microphone. We were talking on a cell phone. You were on speakerphone next to a microphone. <laughs> and you can listen to it today. And it's like, Randy. Hey, Brandon, it's nice to talk to you. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was I listened to it. And I was it was funny because that interview shaped a lot of my other interviews. I was a big Howard Stern fan. And I thought, I have to do so much research on every single person because I wanted you to know how much I respected you and I wanted to do all this research so that when you came on the show, I could say, let me tell you, I wanted to go in depth about your career and all these things. I just had this reverence for what you've done. And so here we are a month into, maybe not even a month into the biggest thing that's ever happened to any of us. And I'm like, Randy, tell me about the Midtown Cafe back. When did you buy that? And when did you go? I want to talk about F. Scott's and all this stuff. And I wanted to tell your story. And it's like, I missed so many cues. You were you were the best interview I think I ever could have had. And I'm listening back to it today. And I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I ask him this question? Why didn't I go back? And oh, it's so frustrating because I had this agenda that I wanted to I had all these questions I wanted to get through and you answered them. And there were so many amazing leads into these things. I'm like, wow, Randy, you just said a lot. So tell me about Cabana. It's like, <laughs> oh fuck, man, what am I doing? And uh, so it's nice to have you back in, in studio. Well, you know, almost 30 months later at that point, I was just, I didn't know if I was going to lose everything that I had. You know, we had uh, two restaurants at that time, Cabana and Midtown Cafe and, Fortunately, uh, the PPP, we finally got the first one, but we were late in filing for the original deadline on that because Craig Cliff, my business partner and protege of Cabana, had COVID the day we closed, March 17th. Uh, called, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. What do you, th- you want to do with Cabana? Well, I just tested positive today. We probably ought to close. <laughs> well, it's funny because you announced that. I, I, in that old interview, I said, I just, I love Craig and I love Chef Brian Yule. And I said, I want to talk about them. And you said, Brandon, I need to tell you something. Craig and his wife have COVID. And I was like, what? I mean, it was a bombshell at the time because it was the first person I knew that had it. It was this thing that we all knew about, but we're all closing and we're all, there was a bunch of fear, but I didn't know anybody yet that had it. And you said, Craig has it. And all of a sudden, like, this wave came over me like, oh shit, like this could actually happen to me. It was very real. It became very real in that moment talking to you. Well, you know, fear is an amazing thing. And the fear of the unknown was what we were dealing with during the, the, the shutdown time and period. And we were fortunate to be able to somehow Craig was able through the fog, literally the fog to uh, get the, uh, financial information to our CPA so we could submit it to the bank. And I wound up docu-signing online for the first PPP uh, grant uh, at 8.45 that night after we missed the deadline for our Uh bank, you know, at midnight the night before, thinking it was noon and we were wrong. So we switched banks and without the PPP uh, both times and with grants from the Tennessee Economic Development of $20,000 and then $30,000 to small businesses, uh, and we were one of the few, the fortunate few, that were able to receive a RRF grant, of which there's 177,000 businesses out there, restaurant, hospitality industry businesses, that applied, and it ran out of money that morning. Wow. You know, and a lot of these people now, 
are having difficulty paying rent and, and otherwise, and that's on a macro scale. But the reality is, you know, the industry is still 700,000 do- jobs down from, you know, March of, t- of 2020. That's a lot. A lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people are using these opportunities to be able to uh, grow and advance because, you know, the, the labor market in Nashville was super tight going into that time period. Finding people was the hardest thing, as you know, from your own. The number roles. one thing. If you ask any chef restaurateur, what's your biggest challenge? People was the number one answer. Well, in a 2019. Co- a, a coach without players has no team. You know, how <laughs> do you put the, it? I mean, so many restaurants now, as well as hotels, you know, don't have the staff to be open all the shifts that they want, front or back of the house. And so they're cutting back or people have more uh, tables than they can uh, reasonably accommodate that give great service to the guests. So it's a real challenge. Uh, last summer, I found myself, you know, really having difficulty trying to hire people as, you know, the relative uh, size had returned because of, you know, not having half the tables that we had. And, and I'd op- reopened with myself on days and one server and one manager was able to come back to work because of health considerations, and one server on nights. That was our front-of-the-house crew. This is where at Midtown? At Midtown Cafe. And this is in 2020? Yeah, in 2020. Uh, May of two, when you re, when You didn't open in May. You yeah, waited. We opened, no, we, wait, we reopened May 12th. We actually, okay, was the day that you, May 12th was the day that you could open, so you right. opened that day. Well, actually, we could have opened up a little bit early, but I bought the kitchen crew in, and we took everything out of the kitchen, stripped it down, because we had already cleaned it and prepped it and got it ready to shut it down for an indefinite period of time. Sure. But I took it back to the walls, and we... Fixed everything, did everything, because we hadn't been able to do that since I bought it 25 years ago. Kind of nice to be able to do. Well, it was it was, it was an overdue. It was very overdue, and at the same time, it was just an impossible thing. But my kitchen crew need that, and I knew I didn't have staff, and we were in the process of lining up, you know, online ordering and doing the menus and all those things to be able to accomplish that. <laughs> and where do we put the tables? Uh, and oh, well, I got to erect this uh, barrier over here with plexiglass so that people aren't too close to each other. And you know, all the elements of that. And Craig was going through the same thing at Cabana, which we wound up selling in December of that year for ten cents on the dollar. Because as I told you a little while ago, I wouldn't sign a personal guarantee for another five-year lease option. And after 15 years, I sold it for 10 cents on the dollar. It's now Cabana Taps. It's They're nice people. They're doing well. It's still in the village. And I'm glad to be right here close to the village again. And I still have an interest in the village. I own a, a percentage of the Moxie Hotel across the street from where Sunset Grill. Because you own Cabana. that lot there. I did own, so- yeah, I bought that lot in 2007 and rolled my interest in that parking lot into the Moxie Hotel because I always wanted some retirement money that wasn't dependent upon cat, you know, how many people came in th- across the transom that day. And is that, I mean, how's that working out? Um, I finally got an owner's distribution, you know, uh, in June of this year for the first quarter because it opened in January of 20 and then whoops, hello. <laughs> and there was a deal actually to sell it, uh, at the end of February for a pretty substantial return. I mean, it, it cost $36 million to develop. There's 133 rooms and 47 studio apartments and retail space. And it was going to sell for about $86 million, and it would have been a, about 490000 a key is the term in, used in the industry because hotel prices in Nashville have been astronomical considering the W Hotel and other oh uh, values, which was uh, almost a million dollars a room. And the reality is is that 
Uh, February 24th, just right a week before that deal was supposed to close, which was a number of hotels together in a package that Arit was going to buy. Hey, the Ukraine war happened. Wall Street said, eh, eh, thanks for playing. What do you stand to gain? You sell that. You sell your owner interest. What do you make on that? Uh, it's what I would call, I would be able to have an affordable assisted living facility eventually. <laughs> Okay, so it will be really <laughs> advantageous for you. Right. Right now, it's not on my financial statement because it has no net value per se other than a few thousand dollars that I got you know, this year for the first time ever on it. And, and I've been putting money into that literally since 2007. But we had a building permit in 2008. And there was that, whatever happened in that September of 2008, Lehman Brothers and all this. Uh, I've tried to forget that whole month. <laughs> <laughs> 2008 was a crazy, I mean, that's what took down Sunset Grill, essentially, right? Well, the debt from that really yeah. did. Um, I, I, funding the construction of a $1.6 million renovation in addition to Cabana was an expensive project, and Cabana was wonderful. I'm glad we did it. And Craig and Chef Brian Yule, who unfortunately passed away from cancer in 2016 at age 52, uh, was just devastating. But, you know, it was a good operation, and, you know, Craig's been working with me since 1987 when he was 19 years old, going to MTSU, getting his degree in aerospace engineering, and he's, you know, one of the best restaurateurs in town, currently general manager of Ellison Place Soda Shop. He's amazing. Yeah, I mean, which I put that together for Tony Girantano, but came back because we postponed indefinitely, you know, literally January 1, well, the weekend of January 1 of 2021, Tony wanted to wait till 2023, and I said, oh, let's let's wait and let's see what happens. You know, we'll postpone again indefinitely and wound mm-hmm. up opening May 12th of, of last year. And it's doing well. It's it's profitable. That's going to say, how is, how is the uh, the soda shop doing? I see all kinds of posts there. Your social media is fantastic well, there. Well, the, the, this guy, Jim Myers, you know, some some media rookie. Uh, Who is he? I've heard, of, I've heard of him. That name sounds familiar. He was at the, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim's been around. But I needed someone to be, you know, the... Uh, uh, the face, one of the faces other than Miss Linda, the biscuit lady of the front of the house, because Craig's busy running the restaurant and doing things. And Jim is the storyteller, the you know, the person that goes and, you know, interacts with the customers, seats them and otherwise, knows a little bit about social media from his time at the Tennessee and, and otherwise as well. Probably one of, in my opinion, the smartest hires I've ever I've ever seen. And well, and the innovation behind that, knowing that we're taking the soda shop, we're putting in a new Next door. I mean, next essentially, door. it's next. It, it's not really a new place. We but I mean, couldn't. By the way, we couldn't get the lease for the original soda shop location. Yeah, and the guy would only give a five-year lease option. You can't put a million dollars into a five-year lease. The people that have talked shit about that really pissed me off. The people that have been like, well, it's not the same thing. It's like it's the same thing. Like the preservation and the people. I've I've heard people talk shit about Tony, uh, Tony Geritana too. Like this this millionaire. It's like, dude. He's preserving a piece of the national. Like he's one of the. If you drive through Hillsborough Village right now, it pisses me off. It makes me sad driving through Hillsborough because I'm an old school Hillsborough Village. Hillsborough Village was my spot, man. You could go to Sam's in the Village or Sunset any given night, and it was a who's who of chefs. It was the melting. This where people. Those were the actual people in Nashville who worked in the industry or anybody. This where locals hang. You go to Jackson, sit on the patio. You go to Sunset Cabana. The trace was right there. Um, the I just vodka triangle. Yeah, yeah, the vodka triangle. Uh, Bosco, Sam's. I mean, the Villager. You go through Hillsborough Village. It was just this special place, and you walk there now, and there's ruby sunshine, and it just 
hurts me, hop dotty. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't the Hillsborough Village I remember. Sadly, uh, I had tried to talk to, to Jimmy Granberry of H.G. Hill. I had a great relationship with John Hardcastle, his predecessor, who we helped form the overlay with to keep uh, part of the village from being torn down and 30-story towers being built on 21st Avenue there, where the McClure's property was originally. But I tried to say, you, John Hardcastle's approach was there were plenty of great, credit-worthy local businesses that could go into the b- village, and Jimmy farmed that out to some people, and they brought in outside businesses. And, you know, it, it, it is a, what it was because the local the local factor is not there as much, and it's some of it's moved down to 12 South now, quite frankly. Yeah. But you've still got a lot of people in the village now again, and it's, it's evolved. But part of the problem was the price of the dirt becomes so expensive. If you can't generate what the dirt's dirt's worth, you get torn down. Yeah, you know, same same with Elston Place. Uh, Tony's bought you know the old Go Rush space, and there will eventually be ninety uh, uh, studio apartments, workforce apartments, and parking behind the then renovated space with the gold rush and the sushi places, the pizza places, notwithstanding, but all the way down to elders bookstore because he got permission to go up, you know, only six stories, which is the same in the, as in the village in the overlay, but it was going to get torn down otherwise, but he found an innovative way working with planning and zoning to be able to accomplish that. Cause I told him that Elston place was just like Hillsborough village back in 1990. It, when I rented Sunset Grill for five dollars a foot. Wow. The National Bicycle Show. Bless. That's insane. Well, I, 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 I got on a tangent there. We kind of can do that. I know you and I'll do that all day long. The hire of Jim Myers, the wherewithal that you had, knowing going into there that you need somebody who I we call it. Remember me. Our our core value is called Remember Me, and people love walking into a restaurant and hearing their name. People sure. love hearing. Dr. Johnson, great to see you. Would you like a normal table? We know who you like to wait on you. We know all that. when you know those people, and Jim is so keen on that, walking the door, saying hi, understanding who the people are, greeting them, making them feel warm, making them feel welcome. You got Miss Linda too, but like. Well, Craig is great at that too. And Craig, you, one of the things I've. That's pre- a, that, but that was on the forefront. That wasn't like an afterthought. That was a intentionally we want to create this culture and this vibe, continue the culture and the vibe inside there and getting a guy like Jim Myers to do that. I just think was a brilliant and and the whole, the whole thing I think is brilliant. One of the things I've preached for decades to my staff, and they'll tell you they're tired of hearing it in lineups through the years is that James Beard when asked his favorite place replied, wherever I am known best. Perfect. And that's the key relationship building friends and neighbors and repeat customers, whether they're travelers who come back time and time again, knowing what they drink. If you're a bartender, knowing what they want to eat, you know, I've got a lot of longtime employees because I take care of good people. They, they determine who gets to stay in the family and who doesn't, you know, we may hire some people and we were able to fortunately hire some people last year, but seven of them came back who had worked from us before because I raised my wages. That's the reason I don't have any openings front or back of the house right now because supply and demand. It's a real question of if you need people, you got to have good people. And if you pay them well, everybody's happier. Everybody's 
customers can feel the body language. They can feel the tonality. They go where people are comfortable and happy. I may not make as much money, but I'm making good money, and my reviews are great. I've got a 4.8 open table and other good things on Google and all the other nonsense, and that's what self-repeats itself and brings people back in the doors. Well, I think you've nailed you've nailed it because when you have that that retention and you have the people that stay there a really long time, the guests know it. The guests that come in, they go, hey, this is Bobby's waiting on me again today. This is Sarah waiting on me again today. And when you have a lot of churn, when people leave, those regulars come in and they go, I don't know anybody anymore. And you the, you lose that. Like the idea of like just, oh, well, oh, you looked at me wrong. Fuck out of here. I don't need you here. And like this, this whole firing culture, like you keep people, you treat them really well. Your guests recognize that they're able to build the relationships, and that's as much of your culture as anything. And, and part of it is also for some types of restaurants. Why did you take away my signature dish that I come here for? Why did you change it, or why did you get rid of it? I mean, it's about people and relationships. People go where they feel comfortable. They only have three to five choices that they go to normally, unless they try someplace new, which has got to be geographically convenient or a special event or otherwise. So it's all about the people, and, and it's. <laughs> You know, it's not rocket science. Stephen Smithing, um, who owns both of my restaurants, Maribel and the Green man. and the Green Hills Grill, amazing man, one of my best friends in the world. Always been very nice to me. I, he's a bunch of healthy respect over there. I think he's uh, he would absolutely say the same thing. Um, he he says when they say, "What kind of food do you serve at Maribel?" He goes, "We serve good food that people like to eat." <laughs> I love it. I mean that we serve good food that people like to eat. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. People love a good filet and they love potatoes and green beans and broccoli. Like, and we don't have the ego that says we can't serve that. Now, I do have a duck dish and I have a fall menu and I have a chef that creates really cool, but there's a handful of items on that menu the shrimp and grits, the filet with mashed potatoes and, uh, and green beans that people will come back for years to love. The salmon and corn cakes. It's just a dish people go, I love that dish. It ain't going anywhere. And I'm not going to let it. And another thing, like wine and liquor is one of those things that's crazy. We we still sell Kendall Jackson. People, Kendall Jackson is Sonoma Contrarian. People come in, wine reps all the time. Why are you still selling that dinosaur? And I go, because I pay $9 a bottle and I sell it for $13 a glass and I can't keep it in stock. And the customers know what it is and they want and they it because it's a known brand. And they love it. Right. And it's like, why would I get rid of that? Our chef, Christopher, he goes in every time I've been to a thousand bars with him. Every time we walk into a bar, he looks at me and we kind of joke. There's a smirk and he's like, bartender walks up and says, what can I get you? And he goes, uh, I have a blue moon. And then the joke is nobody has blue moon anymore because, well, we've got something that's like blue moon. It's a look at this. This is like, but it's, but I, I want a blue moon. It's the number one selling beer in the nation. Why don't you just have blue moon? Well, because we like to be a little kitschy and different. And it's like. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll. Or what about those people who want Budweiser or want a Corona or want a Miller beer? You know, why do I have to out there? Like, if that's what you want, if that's what everybody wants, then I'm going to carry that. I'm going to have it. What I found in my career is that at one point I was trying to be super cutting edge and haute couture of cuisine, and the reality is, is that high wire act you you could stumble and fall quite easily, and the customers don't necessarily want that because. I call it the 80-20 rule, and I'm not trying to go to the cheapest, most affordable segment of the market, nor the highest price segments where it's $100, $150 per person, you know, yeah. and 
20 courses, you know, of uh, vegan. Audrey, cuisine. you know, Audrey's doing. That's great. I saw Sean yesterday at yeah. the Publix grocery store. June is like 28 and two, dishes. And two young kids. I'm proud for Sean. I remember when he was chef at the Hermitage Hotel wearing that stinky-ass New York Yankees cap that I just hated smelling. And he's a great, innovative person. But not every restaurant can be that. You know, what I've tried to do in recent years at Sunset Grill, we really tried to have a wide variety of appetizers, salads and pasta to cover all the categories, and then have really aggressive cutting art specials. And the ones that people like, they wound up on the menu. Funny how that works, you know? It's amazing. But, but I can't educate everybody. I'm trying to run a business and survive and have all my team pay bills. And the key for me right now is I'm thankful that, according to my wholesale rep from PFG, uh, not a paid announcement, uh, that I have one of the few, <laughs> okay. I'm one of the, I'm actually the only client that my rep has that has a full crew front and back of the house. And that's critical to stability, to be able to execute the menu, to be able to put food out on the table in a timely manner and make people happy, particularly if you're open for breakfast. A lot of breakfast customers are going to be in and out in 30 minutes. You know, and I'm thankful, frankly, that a lot of the hotels in, in the Midtown area that have grown up over the 35 years that Midtown has been there, uh, they've closed their restaurants because they lose money on three-meal restaurants. They make money on banquets if you're a big hotel like the Hutton or otherwise that haven't reopened their restaurants. And the, the marketing director was in last week and a great guy, and I was we were joking and had lunch, and I was like, he said, what can I do for you? I said, keep your restaurants closed. <laughs> Said you're not going to be able to find staff anywhere because you're going to have to steal them from somebody else. It's a true story. How close did you how, how close did you come to having to close Midtown Cafe throughout all this? Did you ever get to a point where you were like, "Holy shit, we might lose this"? I had to dip into my own retirement funds, and fortunately, uh, and I had the consulting job with Tony. That uh, started in January of 20, which I was using to, to max out the college tuition funds for my now, as of yesterday, 15-year-old Duke and wow. my 8-year-old son, believe Dean, that they're uh, that turns old. 9 in November. And I fortunately had that consulting gig throughout 20, which allowed me to pay my bills, allowed me to chip in on Midtown and keep the door open, and Cabana, as a matter of fact. And without that, I would have had to have gone into my retirement funds, which were never sufficient. Or, you know, Are they ever? No, no. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I wouldn't know what to do. Um uh, and it really, that saved my you-know-what because it was really scary moments of emotional dread and fear for what are my boys going to do? What am I going to do? What does that feel like? I mean, you're sitting there. I mean, it, it, this, is, this is one of the things I wanted to do this podcast for because I think people look at restaurant owners and they're like, oh, look at Randy. He's this this rich guy he owns these restaurants he's got to have all the money in the world he's just this and i don't think people say it's about you i think rest like greedy restaurant owners in general these people that own restaurants like that moment where you're sitting there and you have all these employees that aren't working that are coming back and your your heart is broken for them because you're a provider you for so many years have provided for so many people You've mentored people. I can't tell you how many chefs in the city came up through the ranks of your restaurants that are now incredibly successful. But you have these employees, and then you've got a family, and you're this this thing. You're sitting there going, "How am I going to take care of my family? Like, what does that feel like? What in that moment? Like, what goes through your mind 
and everything. It was humbling. It was devastating emotionally as a parent first, whose first priority in life are my two sons. And my restaurant business for the last 15 years has been second priority. Yeah. Unquestionably. The greatest joy in my life are my two sons. Uh, I concur with my two sons also. (laughs) In my life, I've been a workaholic and an alcoholic, workaholic combination before then. And thank God I slowed down my drinking at the end of 89 and, 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 couple cycles later on, but I, I never drank like I drank before, you know, being just stupid, you know, after work, you go out and, you know, it's a thing it's in a the industry. Thing. It's part of it. Other industries are not immune to it either, but people who go to work and go home at five, don't go to bed at six. And for me on my website for midtowncafe.com, I wrote an epistle uh, just before the March 17th anniversary of the two years of closing. And it's pretty heartfelt, and I wrote it out uh, a few days before the second anniversary. I started out at lunch on a Saturday when the boys were with their mother, and I just started it, and it's it was painful, but it was cathartic, and it's there, and I'm proud of what I wrote, and it's there. And actually, I've got an addendum to that coming out because that's online on there, but... We've got a book coming out uh, in October, the first week in October. It's a self-published book because I didn't want to do what Vanderbilt Press and other publishers wanted me to do in terms of a book. And so a former assistant of mine, Karen Pell, who's worked with me three different times, who's got a master's degree in literature from down at the University of Auburn in Montgomery. She used to be a songwriter here for uh, Reba McIntyre and other things. But she's a good bookkeeper and an even better host. Uh, (laughs) Really... She wanted to tell the story of Sunset Grill because she loved the people there. So we've got a book coming out, People, Places, and Recipes, and it's 112 pages, and it's stories by Craig, by Jerry Baxter, who did Sperry's and Julian's and other restaurants in his career. All the, A lot of the key people from both Midtown Cafe and Sunset Grill and my history, because this is about the stories that we tell to each other and, and make the industry fun and joyous, because I've had some great times in the industry, and I want to, we wanted to relive that, and this is my idea of, I'm going to give those to my friends. We have them for sale. One-third goes to proceeds of $15. $5 will go to the National State Community College Culinary School Program. Imagine that. And, uh, you (laughs) know. Randy Rayburn School. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul uh, Brennan's been there six years this August and have the largest first-year class ever. That's fantastic. We've got six first-year Culinary One classes, and the dual enrollment programs are really strong right now. From Wilson County, one will start up from – Liberty in Sumner, in, uh, Sumner County in, in, in wintertime uh, after Christmas. Metro, we'd love you to come on board. You know, Get your act together because these other people are. Because th- these are careers and earn while you learn. Deal enrollment, get advanced programs because why go to culinary school? You know, I went to Hyde Park. Tuition there is probably now $50,000, $70,000 a year like Vanderbilt. Same for Johnson & Wales. You can't earn that coming out of school. So why spend that kind of money? Because a lot of it, as you and I know, are mentorships, learning where you work, and learning is an ongoing lifetime process. But that's, honestly, to me, that book was cathartic because we interviewed 
key staff, people like Dale King, who's a server for me at Midtown, who started with me in 1989 at Moonbeams. Wow. Friend, and opened up Sunset Grill with me. And, and is now at, at Midtown Cafe, which we used to call, you know, Sunset Village for the older, you know, Sunset folks. <laughs> the, the slower, quieter yeah. version well, of Sunset instead, Grill. Instead of pulling doubles or turnarounds, you know, it's just like, man, we're, we're really glad to be here and we're really good at what they do. But, you know, it's about the people. Doug Stevenson has been with me 27 years at Midtown Cafe, who was there, the only holdover left from before. Before, when John Petrocelli and Kurt Cole opened it up in 1987. Uh, you know, uh, Gina Koshavar, who worked for Jody and Arthur's restaurants and all kinds of places, has been there 21 years. Her daughter is the host at night, who was a sous chef for me at Midtown Cafe and Sunset Grill and intern before going to J&W. I mean, you know what it's like. It's having a family. And, it's- and these are the stories from my family about the hospitality business and about... Uh, I think a baker's dozen, 13 recipes, including our shrimp and grits, which I'll match to yours any damn time. Oh, I'll give you the title all day long. Uh, you're here. You got it. Um, the book is called Midtown Cafe, 35th Anniversary, Stories, People, and Recipes. Midtown Cafe, Sunset Grill. It is written by Karen Pell and Randy Rayburn. You can pick it up at the Midtown Cafe in, in October. Right. October. And then this is, this is why you're here today. Uh, I think ultimately... We want to talk about the 35 years of the Midtown Cafe and let people know that you're doing a big celebration in the month of October. Well, well, I wanted, I decided it was, you know, the locals have been coming back ever since vaccination started last year, slowly but surely and more so. And our business, you know, a year ago right now, Delta was raging throughout the nation and our business hit a low point. We had really grown up and we were really finally breaking even uh, uh break, literally breaking even in june of last year uh and then july hit and it's like oh my and then we peaked again in november and then we troughed again in from omicron in, in january uh. and then we went on and peaked again because business was growing tourism was returning nashville was getting back, close back to normal and then the r word hit you know in mid-may which is recession not randy and so everybody started putting their hands on their pockets and started spending less and traveling less and going out less. Although, overall, according to the open table numbers I saw last week, you probably saw them too, you know, the Nashville, you know, amount of people going out really surged because people had cabin fever. They've been wanting to go out and enjoy themselves. $20 million a day, I read. Yeah. $20 million a day is what um, tourism, and we're, tourism is spending in Nashville. And we'll be back up to about, uh, I'm not sure the numbers for the end of the fiscal year, but there'll be over around 16 million guests coming to town, but also the reality of getting back to a sense of normalcy. But John, Brandon, the problem is, I talk about your dad there, sorry. <laughs> he was a longtime customer. The reality is, is that the office towers aren't occupied as much. No. There may not be 50 to 60% on Wednesday, which is the highest day of occupancy. National studies show that Mondays and Fridays are the lowest day. Some businesses are bringing back everybody five days a week, some none at all, because they could save money and they found that they could operate you know, remote. And so it's really changed our business model. So I wanted to find a way to reach out to the locals and say, reach out, reach out and touch the people who have supported Midtown Cafe over its 35 years, which I bought, like I said, 25 years ago, and I loved it so much I bought it. Yeah. I used to go there, you know, one or two night, Sunday nights a month on to enjoy a nice, 
quality meal in a casual fine dining environment, which the dining room had the same number of tables as the Sunset Grill main dining room or the patio dining room, 17 tables. That's all we got now. And it's just really um, intimate. It's intimate and it's casual, affordable, fine dining, which is what I try to do. I'm not trying to be the hottest, newest thing in town because it's easy to fall off that high wire. Well, you got to have the people wanting to do it and the burnout factor. And I've gone, I mean, I've, yes, a lot of folks have matriculated with me in the Randy Raven School of Hospitality Charm. Some have learned and grown from it, and I'm proud of everybody, but it's a tough blue-collar business, as you and I know, very physical. Oh, my gosh. Every single day. It's, it's definitely a grind. Um, you've touched so many people. You just mentioned that. You said, you know, this, I, there's like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, I think it, there's definitely a six degrees of Randy Rayburn in the city. If you meet anybody who's been here for any amount of time, you've had some sort of an influence on them indirectly or directly. What are you most proud of right now? If you look back on your career and if you want to know about Randy's career and everything that he does, and it is a lot. Like people that you restaurant tour, people don't know about all like everything else that you're constantly doing for this industry. What are you most proud of? I think I'm probably most proud of the culinary school at National State. In 98, I was told that after Opryland had shut down the culinary apprentice program, which I call the indentured servant program, uh, which had started when I was in management at Gaylord in the, you know, like in 83, um, there was nowhere for people to go in Middle Tennessee. And they told me they couldn't expand because there was a freeze on it. And I just love for people to tell me I can't do something. And just, <laughs> Your favorite? Just my, my greatest motivators. And so my friend Charles Smith was chancellor at the time over – uh, the Tennessee Board of Regents. And funny how Charles, was, we're friends to this day, and I met him when I was an undergraduate in college at UT Knoxville. And we were able to work that out because, as I reminded him, the hospitality industry employed one out of 10 people in the state of Tennessee. And we may not have the lobbyists and spoke with the strength of the automotive industry in order to get what we needed, but it worked. And that's when it started. And so the program has grown uh, since then. And that's went from one uh, kitchen out on the White Bridge Road campus to a great, nice facility out uh, in Antioch at the new campus that opened up there in 20, uh, 2011 with two t- twin kitchens. And we're going to need to expand that capability uh, in the next, if people continue to come back to the programs. Overall, enrollment in National State is down about 4%. But we just opened up the new Rivergate campus uh, uh, in August, which we broke ground on four years ago, which I was integrally involved in. Uh, and trying to secure because Mayor Carl Dean wanted to make education accessible at K through college in all parts of town. And with transportation issues, you know, having somewhat regionalized capability for port of entry abilities for students was part. But I was probably most proud of Sunset Grill because I had just turned 40 and I sold my home here just three, three blocks from here. Wow. Right behind you. On 19th Avenue South, I had my accountant, uh, Gary W. Smith, a music industry guy, crazy enough to have restaurant people. And so I <laughs> went with him because the music industry and the, we also a lot of similarities. And he said that you'll only be able to borrow 20%, I mean, 80%, the 20% they won't loan you, and you're going to wind up needing that money. Well, he was right. He said the worst thing that can happen is you're, you're looking for a job and you're paying rent. So I was like, what the hell? Why not? Let's go. And so he said, if you're not committed to it, who else is going to you know, invest in you? And I wound up 
you know, picking my best friend who was the maitre d' that I went to work for as a busboy in 1975 while going to night law school. And Rick Sanjek was head of writer publisher administration at BMI in New York under Francis Preston. And Rick is, a, is in the book, too, because he believed in me enough to make an investment and it wound up, you know, quadrupling his money uh, because I wound up buying the property in 1994 and bought him out a few years later. And he was very happy, and we're best friends to this day, and we'll have lunch together on this Friday, you know. Wow. It's amazing how you've kept all these relationships and just... Well, not all, but the ones that count. In life, yeah. you have your blood brothers and sisters and family that you're born with. But as you go through life, you would find people that are part of your adopted family in life that stick with you through the ups and downs because you learn that a lot of people are nice to you only when you're up. It's the people who are there for you and beside you and caring for you and care about you throughout the times that stick around in your life. And hopefully you're lucky if you have a handful of friends. And I'm talking, they have a core, and then you've got, it's like an onion. You know a lot of different people at different levels. But how many people are really going to be there for you in life? And I'm blessed to have more than a handful. And and maybe two handfuls, maybe I'm, I'm too hopeful, but I'm blessed. You know, at my age, to still be physically able to be doing what I'm doing and still sore from going to the gym, you know, two blocks that way up towards I-40 and steps. Uh, to stay fit, to be able to be in this industry, because literally, I, I'm in better shape than most of my peers that I, you know, went to high school with. Uh, not all, but because I've been an athlete, uh, and then I dropped out for a while, but I had to rehab a knee at F. Scott's back in '88, and I've been generally working out since, no matter what the size of my belly was. <laughs> <laughs> I I do the same thing. I can't seem to get my belly to go down. My kids joke that my kid always grabs goes jelly belly, and I'm like, that's that's not funny. Well, I mean, that hurts, son. One of my guests said yesterday he'd lost a thousand pounds in his life. You know, it's a a yin and yang. And, you know, the depression of of COVID, I dropped a lot of weight and then I put a lot of weight on. And then I got, last summer, I got very serious about it because I'm a type 2 diabetic. And so I had my first hypoglycemic reaction. It's like, oh, Oh. I'm eating too many carbohydrates. I think I, I know better, I know what I'm doing. But I'm not doing it. And that's the difference in life is walking the walk that you talk. So on that front, you just said that even during your, the toughest times, the toughest times when people stick with you, those are the people that really are your, are your, that's your tribe. Yes. Do you think that that, I I think that's such an amazing opportunity, not just finding people when they're doing their best, but when they do fall, when they slip and fall, and I'll tell you, I slipped and fell. I mean, I'm not perfect. We've all kind of had these moments, but those people who leaned in, put their arms around me, I ne- I'll never forget. I'll never forget those moments when I'm at my lowest. And I think that every single day, we, as people in general, miss opportunities to be that person. I think that's one of my life goals right now is when people are at their lowest to go and, and just, but, but literally put your arms around them and say, it's going to be okay. This is a, a moment, a season in life. We're going to get through it together. That's probably why you're fully staffed. One of the things I, I fully believe in is the whole concept of this too shall pass. Yeah. You've got to be there for people and, and be there for them emotionally or physically or financially to be able to 
to develop a team. Coaches either have relationships or they're up here and it just they're not in touch. I know I, as an owner-manager, I get the least amount of information because people don't want to tell me the truth. You know. <laughs> it's all, yeah. How do you really find out what's going on? Well, it's, it's not necessarily easy. But it's like sit down and one-on-one, what's really, what, what's, what's really bugging you? What's the problem here? How, can, how do you want to solve this? I don't solve things. I try to let people fix the problem. And I've evolved as a manager. I mean, early in my career, people will tell you, yes, I was a top-down. This is the way it's done. But that's about opening a restaurant. I learned because I've done turnarounds and, and openings. I've done 14 openings in my career uh, in 47 years. And, and wow. part of what you've got to do is start with that. But until you make it bottom up so it is the staff's restaurant, both front and back of the house, it will not function properly for very long. Because unless there's buy-in, unless, all right, as I tell people, do you want to go somewhere else and start over again? Get with it, you know? Yeah. Get, get along with everybody here and make happy or, you know, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> or as I used to say, or open your own damn restaurant. <laughs> there you go. You know? Well, that's an interesting, it's an interesting perspective as a way to look at it. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't, that, that seems like there'd be more challenging to me. Like that, that, that scares me to put the restaurant, to have that much control in to do it that way. One of the things I learned uh, and finally implemented while going to graduate school, I've got part of a degree in public administration was you've got to learn to delegate to be able to grow. And what I do is I've learned to trust my managers to make good decisions. I'll, if there's a problem, I'll try to talk to them afterwards. How can we do better otherwise? But if you try to micromanage everything, nothing happens. you got to let like go the, of the vine. No, it's like the Russian army. If the generals don't call something, what do the sergeants and privates do? Uh, they, just, they don't know what to do unless they're told what to do, which is right now is probably flee back to the motherland because they're doing the new triathlon, which is, you know, <laughs> biking, swimming, and running back home, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was more in reference to, I think you said in our last interview, you said that really the you let the staff make those decisions. You let the service staff, when they come in, you've got this core of people and new people come in, you let them go, hey, you can't make it or you're not putting the effort in, get them out of here and you kind of allowed your service staff to kind of help make some of those decisions. And no, I was like, no, they make all the decisions because I don't work beside them in the wait station. I'm busing tables or hosting the, the door or, you know, expediting or doing other things. But the reality is they know what's going on and know who people are, are putting in effort or are slacking and they know who fits in and who doesn't. That's why I'm so thankful so many people returned to us, some of whom hadn't been there in, in years, but they came back because they're making a good living and everybody gets along. And that's the key. Some of the people that came in from the outside, some of them, a couple of them have worked out wonderfully. But that's not my decision. It's the it, my team make the decisions, and all I do is help follow through on them whether, yeah, well, let's give them another chance or, you know, let's define what the expectations or I, I'm the one that says it's not working out. Yeah. You know, I'll be glad to give you a great reference, but it's just not working out here because you're not happy here and we're not happy. My team isn't happy with you. And I'm not trying to fit a square peg through a round hole, right? So can't, can't, it, it doesn't work that way. You know that. No, it doesn't work that way at all. Um, what do you do in the restaurant every day? Like, what is your, like, are you 
actually in the building hosting, busing tables, like working every day? We are going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. I think one of the most overlooked things that you can do on a P&L, which is your profit and loss statement, is dish machine and chemicals. It's just one of those things you don't focus on until it's too late. Let Jason Ellis from Supersource come in and do an audit of what you're currently doing and why you're doing it. His number is 771-337-1143. We believe here at Nash Restaurant Radio that every single thing that you do should be done intentionally in a restaurant and allowing some company to come in and just fix your dish machine without you knowing what's really happening is exactly what we're talking about. The thing Jason does the best is he can help educate you on exactly what's going on with all of your dish machines and chemicals. He can do staff trainings to understand why you're using what you're using, again, to be intentional. They don't make you sign any type of contract. They are week to week and can get you a brand new dish machine with three free months of dish machine rental. You need to check them out. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and then you will see super source click that tab for a special or give jason ellis a call at 770-337-1143 we absolutely love partnering with sharpier's bakery aaron moso has been selling bread fresh baked bread to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years yes her father started the company 36 years ago and aaron took it over uh five years ago and it is doing amazing things I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpies. They save me so much time and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes. They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specialty loaf breads and regular loaf breads and bullies. Bullies? B-O-U-L-E-S? Sourdough, long Tuscan, wheat, multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at sharpies.com. That is sharpies, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpies Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email anytime from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What chefs want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call 800-600-8510 or visit them at whatchefswant.com. We are supported by Robbins Insurance, a local insurance agency providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins Insurance is the go-to agency for hospitality professionals in Nashville. Listen, Robbins knows how hard industry professionals work every single day. 
They also know how devastating accidents can be. Be it a grease fire that damages the kitchen, a severe storm that cuts off power, or a customer slip and fall incident. Both the extensive experience and the savvy to create a policy that protects your business from accidents like those, you can rest easy knowing that the work you've put in will not be for nothing. Visit Robin's website at robinsins.com to request a consultation or call Matthew Clements directly. His number is 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robin's. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll go in this morning. Fortunately, uh, Trisha Basso came back. She met her uh, husband. You remember Mike, Mike Basso, Basso, of yeah. course, who died of a heart attack four peace. years ago. But uh, uh, her son, who's now a senior, uh, got a car last year going to Helium Fog, was able to drive. So she came back having left us maybe uh, 12, 13 years ago. I mean, she was there in 99 as a server bartender manager. And so she's running the door now because she came back last August because she w- was bored and wanted to, could get out of the house. Sure. And so I'll go back and I'll run the door when she's not there on weekdays. Christy Rickard, uh, who worked for me at Sunset, who worked for uh, uh, Park Cafe for Willie and Yvette for years, uh, joined us on the host on weekends, and she's serving now and, and hosting on weekends. But I'll go in and I bust tables. I greet people. I... I love to be the active owner hands-on because it's a blue-collar business, and the harder I work leading by example, the harder my team works. And I have to sit down occasionally because, you know, I'm not as young and as fit as I I'm fit, but I my legs and lower – I have some L4-5 problems. Sure, of course. But for me, my job, my job is check the bathrooms, be everywhere, and during service and being active – and but the key is that I don't have to be there for them to work properly. I can take a day off with my boys. I'm planning my you know fall break time with them this morning. What I finally got the the calendar. What's going to happen? What where, what are we going to do and where are we going to go? But I trust my people to do their job. Which is which is very important. You've got to do that. You ha- I think in any any job, if you're a leader. What you have to do is you have to explain expectations. You have to train people appropriately, and you have to trust them. You have to you have to empower them to make this. You have to educate them on all of the things that you do, and then you empower them to make those decisions. If you just do that blindly, that can lead to something. But if you're if you're empowering people to make decisions and you're engaged in the business, you can come back and have follow up questions. Hey, I know she made that decision the other day where you bought that table or whatever it might be. And you go, let's talk about that. You're in trouble. I just want to talk about the decision-making process and go over what I might do in that scenario. And I thought that you did a great job here, but reinforcing or a little bit of it's I'm big right now on the one minute manager. I know it is so elementary. It is this, this, no, this I, one hour read. Oh, Ken I Blanchard. Went, I went through that with sunset grill. My staff got tired of me hearing all his like, books. We are, we are going to, explain you have zero i want to every manager every person to explain every single thing that is expected throughout the shift super easy lineups let's communicate what it is i want them to inspect what they expect like right. follow up don't just say it and don't talk at people and then disappear to the office all day like actively get in there and help bus tables seat tables do all of that stuff but i think when you clearly explain what the expectations are this is what we like to do today or you have a one-on-one and say can we work on this? Or I thank you for doing all of these things. But then when they don't do it, they call it a read. We call it a, the, the old one minute manager. They called it a, uh, a one minute 
Well, now it's a redirect. Uh, reprimand is what they used right. to call it. Now it's a one minute redirect. But like when you tell people to do stuff or you have a certain expectation, let them know they did a great job when they do it. Well, yeah. It's really them. easy. It's right. really easy to go, hey, thank you for doing that. Not just, well, that's your job. You're expected to do that. Like, uh, but and, and show gratitude. And occasionally reward people you know, without yeah. expectation. You know? Yeah. Pray, not only praise, but reward. You know, that's the thing. I know that my management team, who all wait tables are 10 bar. I mean, I don't have a manager standing around doing nothing. That's me. And I'm not essential to be there. That's the key part. All of my, my general manager, Doug, is behind the bar or on the floor waiting tables. Lead by example. And they're the ones that I trust to make the decisions. And I don't even follow up that much anymore because I have that much faith and trust. It's kind of like when you've got a, a Peyton Manning at quarterback, you don't tell him what play to run. You know, you get up to the line, all right, let's try this one. All right, no, we, we did it this way. I have to support my people in order to gain their trust, and they have to do a pretty good job. I don't expect perfection, but what it's about is I've learned too later in life that all the, you know, the Blanchard books and all the other books about process help, but it really matters about giving people a chance to prove whether they care and are capable and are, can do the job and enjoy doing the job or not. Yeah. Uh, either positive reinforce that or negative reinforcement doesn't work very well. And let me tell you, negative reinforcement in the middle of the shift screws anybody up, and I never do it in the middle of the shift. You know, I screwed up years ago, and I would see all these young managers going around flipping their keys and, you know, just, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> the, the, you know it, How, I, wish I, I, I wish I knew 10% of what I know now uh, from 40 years ago because – well, this is, but, but you're have so good at, from hell. But you're so good at sharing that information, and you have a passion for taking what you've learned and sharing it with other people. One, one quick question, because I want to get more into that. What's your compensation model at Midtown Cafe? How are you paying your service? Are you on like a tip pool, or is it each person comes in and they have their tables and they take their tips? Like, how does how are you? Did that change over the the pandemic? Yes, it did. Uh, we went from individual, you know, tipping and and a tip out to door or bartender or, or expediter to it's a tip pool now okay and basically one of the things I we did, did too by the way I, I love this great model one of the things i did last summer was raise the base wage from uh, 213 to 725 or 10 or 1250 or 15 or 20 dollars an hour plus tips wow i don't make as much but i'm making something sure it's better than nothing and everybody's happy and making great money I mean, walking with scads of cash because, let me tell you what, I'm, I mean, a little 75-seat restaurant, you know, total of 21 tables, you know, four in the, in the bowl, six bar stools. We do 10,000 people a month, and we're not even busy right now because of the recession. Wow. 10,000 people a month? I'm up over two-thirds over 2019's numbers. Wow. You're crushing it. Happy staff, happy life. It's so much better than walking into a restaurant, seeing empty tables and saying, can I sit there? And like, oh, we don't have enough staff. Like, well, if you could seat those extra nine tables, maybe you pay them a little bit more. Right. You pay people a little more, you'll have staff. You can seat those tables. And like you said, I can make something. But I can. You know, but, you, but you know what you do there? And I think that this is something that we haven't really alluded to. It's not everything isn't about taking home stacks of cash. I think for you, 
and this is just, you haven't said this out loud to me today, but I think that you're more concerned with people coming in and having an amazing experience and feeling comfortable and feeling warm. And when they leave there, one of our, one of our things that we do is I want you to feel nourished yeah. when you leave. I don't, I don't want you to feel full. I don't want you to feel happy. I want you to feel nourished and nourished means satiate. And it means you're, you're full, but you're also whole happy. You're whole. Like there, right. it was an experience. I leave there better than I was. And I feel like with you, that's the most important thing that when you leave here, you feel like you just had an experience with family, with people, you know, I'm leaving here comfortable better than when I got here. And I think that's the most important thing to you. And then you build around that. Well, you're right because part of it, and I was talking about it last night with the crew because I came back after the gym because we were talking about just some things that we needed to do that are upcoming. And I said, it's all about the climate. If you're happy in the wait station, if you're happy in the bar, everybody knows it. I said, if everybody in the bowl can hear what's going on at the bar and table 21 and table 23 can hear it. And in the fifties, they can hear, you know, what's going on in the wait station. And if you're not having a good time, you know, and, and working together and having a good time, everybody can feel it because it is the climate and yeah. I don't create the climate. They, uh, I'm the one that hopefully puts together the pieces to allow that climate of nourishment and a servant friendly cur you know, cause that's what we are, right? Well, we, our, Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. It took me a long time to realize that I'm doing what I prefer doing, which is making people happy that having finished law school and living through an adversarial environment that none of my lawyer friends enjoy practicing law. <laughs> oh my God. Thank, I still go enjoy going to work 99% of the time. There's 1%. It's like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, disappointment or can't make, you know, I hate it when it's dead. Yeah. I, I hate it when it's, I think we all do. Yeah. And, and when it's so, just slow and you're like, you know, there, there's cycles now, but one of the best things I ever did was open up for breakfast at, at Midtown cafe, probably because I was always envious of the lines out the door for David Baldwin at the pancake pantry. Yeah. And, but the whole idea of breakfast and lunch and late night at sunset grill didn't make sense. But at Midtown when Nashville closed, I'm like, let's go. I, I need to do it. And, Thing is, a lot of restaurants, you've got one right over here next to you, Christopher's, there's a lot of breakfast, lunch, brunch restaurants that aren't open at dinner because they don't have menus that sell at nighttime. That's what Midtown Cafe did. We had an existing core lunch business that was pretty good, but I added clientele and covers on days, seven days a week. Finally, we added a Saturday and Sunday in October of uh, 21 or, or 20 and, and did it because there are people that are living there. There are more people living in Midtown than Germantown now. Wow. Oh, there's that right behind you. There's that. What's the it? new store? I mean, the new, there's 300 a, units, 34. Huge. But you know what? It, it almost killed us because people couldn't get to us during construction with deliveries and everything else. But the number of apartments and the condos that have developed in the Midtown area you know, from really Charlotte all the way up to, uh, up to music row and from the interstate and, and out to, 440. Yeah, it's just Have they been bonkers. good to you? Uh, what happens in that situation? Let, let's I'm curious. What happens in that situation because I've never had it where you have this gigantic hotel condo, this mixed use building going up right next to you. They close off the streets. Do you get subsidies for that? Do they oh, do they, no. they, oh, they, they no. do they come in and at least say, "We are so sorry we're closing your street today." I, uh, How's your relationship with them? It was uh 
adversarial, but okay. We were able to deal with it, but there's stuff you can't deal with. I was fortunate that I knew ahead of time that the construction was going to happen. And I went to public works with a good lawyer. You've got to have someone who is, you know, relationship driven with that. And I was able to keep my alleyway open or we would be closed. My landlord was like, what's the problem with that? I said, it's an existential threat to your rent. Yeah. Okay. If I don't, people can't get to me and park in my business and we don't have enough parking, but I was able to eventually bring valet back and we have a relationship with the Marriott hotel so we can park overflow in their parking garage across the street. Now I'm working great with the new, uh, general manager of the apartment building. There's a 200 room Hilton hotel of Fallon over on Broadway, uh, across from the MC suites and otherwise. And I've met with those people and the marketing director used to work across the street, Marriott courtyard, but that's going to work out. He's a nice guy. He worked in the hospitality business. He cares. He knows what's going on. Corey's a great guy. Is that rare today to find people that genuinely care? Yeah, it is. Isn't that sad? Well, yeah, but Nashville's never been that way. Nashville. I think Nashville's taking this turn now. Like, and I love sharing stories like you're sharing today. Like I love, I have a very romantic. I look back and I think about all my years in the restaurant business in Hillsborough village. I have a very romantic feel about that whole time. And just the way the, which this locally owned operated community comes together. And it's like, there's so many people coming to town that don't give a shit about any of that. And they care about them and money and we're going to take over. And Kind of just scares me. It makes me sad sometimes. I, I I would say that what I've seen is there's always been a, a caring and giving spirit in the hospitality community that, you know, I've remained great dear friends with Deb Paquette, who was my chef a long time ago, with Margot and Heather, her friends, and just Willie Thomas. And there were great chefs before 2000 in Nashville, Tennessee. I hate oh, to yeah. tell all the newcomers, uh, revisionists, as it were, <laughs> that – you know, Nashville had some decent food service here. Uh, really going good. back to the 80s. Jody's a friend. Talked to him a few weeks ago. Adam Dredd and I, were, three of us, talked on, on on a conference call. And, you know, the reality what is... What do you guys talk about? Oh, uh, I, I'm not allowed to talk about that on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just... We just laugh. friends shooting the we, shit, or is there a business we, venture you no, guys are just... Shooting the shit. Just, you got, but you guys... Just friends. You know, here's a, here's a stand-up comedian and Adam, you know, turned lawyer, you know. You know there's not going to be a whole lot of serious conversation going on you know gosh and you follow i follow him on so, <laughs> socials <laughs> but you know it's part of what it's about is that there are great alliances of communities there's some great leadership from like julia over at henrietta red and others oh my gosh. with the independent restaurants and sean and others out there working in the communities and doing good things there's a lot of people doing that ton and of a, it and a lot of them are new people and a lot of them are, are great locally owned chefs but a lot are really chains that have outposts here now because why we're a tourism city we are now the sales tax uh, our property taxes were going to be growing exponentially higher because back around 2000 the sales tax because of this thing called the internet the percentage of the sales tax in metro's budget went from 20 percent down to 16 percent in the 90s and then it, it needed to grow and we wound up convincing people that we needed a new convention center downtown. And that's part of what caused the sales tax to grow for Davidson County. Now, none of us expected what happened to lower Broadway. 
I really, I, I told my friend Steve Buchanan, whose niece worked for me, that unfortunately the TV show Nashville was a tremendous hit and was the best soap opera since Dallas. And if you look at the tourism numbers, they grew in 2012 as we were really coming out of the post-flood environment of May of 2010. And that's when the New York Times and created us as the it city and the tour and the bachelor and bachelorette party started coming to town and that's okay, but that that's not Nashville. And there was no control over the transportainment downtown and it's got, it was too laissez faire and they couldn't because of state law regulations couldn't do that. And I won't go into bore you with the details of it, but you know, I was really asked about this yesterday and it's just, it really too much too soon. And a lot of downtown Nashville just now reminds me of the, the French Quarter, which is a, a, a theme park for adults. That's exactly what it is. That's what Broadway is. Yeah. And now, and now you it go is. downtown, you walk down Broadway on any given night, but like on a Saturday night, you walk down the middle of Broadway because they close it off now. You can't even drive on it. I don't recognize it. Well, it, it, I don't recognize well, it what, at all. What, what you wound up having was licensing of brands and, and, and creating. Jason Aldean's and I mean, Old Red did $21 million in sales in the first year. You know, Blake really likes his royalty percentage a la Vegas, which chefs have been doing out there for a long time. Yeah. And country music artists or musicians and other artists don't have those kind of uh, situations. Well, and you know, here's the, I think, I think a lot of people think that like Blake owns that. No, like he, he, it's he, a licensing he, deal. You know? he, that's a Ryman Hospitality owns that, and then they license his name. There's one in Tishminga, Oklahoma, right. that he actually owns. That right. was like his. Then that concept is taken on Ryman Hospitality, and they've opened one in Gatlinburg, and oh, they yeah. got one here. But like he has the contractually has to be there twice a year. Right, but, like, the, but it's but not it's, his. No, but it's the genius of Narvel Blackstock who manages him. Yeah, know? who was Reba's right. ex-husband, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and Narvel's a brilliant regular, marketer. probably at Midtown, and been, I know at my restaurants. He's been yes. there once or twice. Yeah, he's been there a few times. <laughs> you know, the valet's, great guest. The valet knows what, he, what his car looks like. You know, uh, twelve forty-five. Okay, we'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't have to call, but anyway, the reality is there are a lot of good people, and they're very creative because Nashville is a gathering spot for creative communities. You've got all these millennials and young professionals moving here from around the country because we're a sunbelt town the 800 pound gorilla is the healthcare industry with 23 24 publicly traded companies 400 plus privately owned healthcare companies you've got the technology industry growing here now dramatically with oracle and amazon and everybody else and yes it's a bit too much but traffic is still better than it was in 2019 or you know because there's not as many people on the road coming into town but it's we still don't have the infrastructure to handle it and, and may never because of Tennessee Department of Transportation, don't get me started on them. You know? We'll we'll buy we'll we'll save that. We'll tuck that away want, for I the want, next. Interview. I want eight forty North to come back. I wish we hadn't uh, not done that, uh, but that's another story. You seem spry as ever. How old are you? I'm seventy two. Holy shit! I would never think you were seventy two. I I would look at you and I'd think you're in your fifties. The restaurant industry is good for you if you're active. If you stay in the back and hide, it's one of the reasons I, I just put an air conditioner in the office. I don't want people in the office. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's Including the myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, we were talking the other day. I said, I had a manager in the office at one twenty in the afternoon and I go, I walked in, I said, who's saying goodbye to guests right now? Is there another person? Now? I didn't know. I, I thought that was like, is there, why do we have a manager in the office at one twenty? He's like, 
if I'm the only manager and I go, I need you to get out there. Like this, this is not the time to eat lunch. No money is made. A, no money is generated in from go, the office. It's go. all made out in the front of the house. Talk to people. Right. Just be present. When are you going to hang it up, man? You see, you. If I talk to you right now, if I was to guess, you'd do this another thirty years. You are the energy, the passion that you're still exhibiting at seventy-two years old. You're out here hustling, like. When are you going? When are you going to say I'm what, done? I love what I'm doing now. I'm already slowed down because I don't have to be there at six in the morning anymore, the way it was two years ago. But you still go all the time oh, yeah. because I'm, you I'm, it's in your blood. You love it. When I, are you going to stop? Uh, when do you, I, do when you have I, a number? Do you have a day no, in your brain? I've got a 15 year old and a soon to be nine year old. A retirement doesn't exist. What I'm <laughs> already doing is slowing down a little bit so that I can go in at eight thirty or nine o'clock. I can get a lot more done at my kitchen table in terms of emails and replying to things rather than being at work with all the distractions and trying to accomplish the, the running of the business parts of that plus my life. And I still enjoy it. And, but that's why I'm working days now and not nights anymore because I don't have to be a hospitality vampire. You yeah. know? I mean, I, I, why do you think I called it Sunset Grill? That's when I woke up <laughs> at night. <laughs> I worked lunch, you know. But, you know, breakfast changed my life for the better because I'm working on the same schedule as my two sons. And I enjoy it. And I turn it over to Doug. Now, uh, Doug will be the general manager no matter what. And the goal right now, I'm working on something so, so Craig will wind up being the secretary treasurer of the corporation and he'll be the executor of my trust and my estate. Anything happens to me, we're not selling. We got a great business. Yeah. If I'm not able to work as much, I'm going to need income and I want it to work and I don't have to be there to run it. I've got great managers in the front of the house. My chef's been with me 17 years. My sous chef started with me in 2000 as a uh, dishwasher. They're fabulous people. That's why we've got their stories in the book because the restaurant is about the people, the people that work there and the people that we serve and the stories and interactions with them. Again, 35 years, 35 years, the Midtown cafe, that's your celebrating. You bought it in 1997 after it had been open 10 years. And now we're 25 years later, you've written a book and I, I was trying to look here. I was looking on my computer at the, uh, I, I've got a little press release that hasn't quite, uh, it's going to go out today, actually. Yeah. Uh, this isn't going to air today, so I don't know if uh, people, this will be out. I love that you had Chris Chamberlain write kind of a, a, it says, discovering the stories that have usually only been shared between close friends over a glass of wine after closing makes for a fascinating and entertaining narrative. Crack open a bottle of California Cabernet, find a comfortable chair to read in, and dream of voodoo pasta. Which Chris, is a classic dish. Chris, Chris is such a great guy, and his house is just, you know, literally one block over behind you here. Is he really? Is he that yeah. close to me? I don't know. I've never been to his house. Oh, yeah. It's right over there. He used to be my neighbor behind me because I was there on Well, night, he needs to get his ass in here and do some more shows with me. Well, you know. I love that guy. Reach out. Reach out and touch someone. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what the internet's for now instead of a bell Touché. Uh, but it's about... I mean, it's like the stories of one of my favorite stories. Jerry, uh, Karen tells the story of of a hostess whining and bitching one day about she didn't want to be, be there. And, you know, and Jerry called Karen, said, come on up to the front. And Karen got there as Jerry said, she, the, the little girl said, I don't want to be here. And Jerry tapped her on the shoulder and said, wish. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ever come back. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah.
That's wish granted. <laughs> Karen came out of the accounting office and hosted that day. But th- those are the kind of stories that are real because it's kind of like we don't want you here if you don't want to be here. But I think it's such a unique insight. I think that some of my fondest memories are after a, a really tough shift or after whatever going to whatever the bar is. And for me, it was Sam's in the village right. sitting in that bar with Jesse or Maha or any of the people and, and like yeah. having a drink and just sitting with people who understand what you just went through. And it sounds like in this book, there's those stories. You don't, you didn't have to, to come with me and get the alcoholism and all the stuff that came along with it. You can just read this book and transform yourself back into those times, share the stories. There's some great recipes. You can get the book at Midtown Cafe. You can you got Can you buy it online? Anywhere no, else? no, I didn't. I decided not to do that. I know my friend Mike Kelly's book is available on Amazon, and I decided my whole goal is to get people in the doors at Midtown Cafe. And if you want a copy of the book, it'll be there. I may take it. A, a, I may go speak to some women's club here on Hillsborough Road if they want me back at some point or some other things. But my goal is. Come experience what we have to offer. I'm going to give copies to my regulars and because it's better than a T-shirt. And I want to say thank you. And that, to me, is part of what it's about. But part of what it's about in all this is that Karen did the interviews with the people, and I wasn't present because I wanted them to be comfortable talking about what what made them happy what do they remember the most what what were the great fun times and what what you know what what nightmares do you have you know <laughs> from those days you know i can't wait to read it myself um i mean i have so many memories of the, the, the bar at sunset grill to me was a very special place i'm i'm more of a sunset grill guy versus midtown i like the yeah the, and I, I have a rehearsal dinner at sunset grill i know you did i mean yeah. I uh, this yeah. friday it was my 17-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. 17 years. It's crazy. So 17 years ago, Thursday, I was at the Sunset Grill doing a big party. In addition to the book, which you can go to the book, you can get the book starting October 1st? Yes. October 1st, you can start getting the book over at Midtown Cafe. In addition to that, you are offering something absolutely amazing. If you're out there and you like the Midtown Cafe, gift card sales. There, You can receive a 35% discount on gift card purchases of $100 or more. They're available in the restaurant or online, valid only on purchases made between the months of or between the dates of October 1st, October 31st. So you're you're giving back to people and you're saying, look, if you want to buy a gift card over a hundred bucks, I'm going to give you $35. I want my local regulars to be able to have a discount. And I also just really want to be able to say, thank you. I don't need the money. Last year we didn't sell any discounted gift cards. I, I learned a lot about that to pay for Franklin Cabana uh, <laughs> and it survived the flood and other things. But it, it's, a, it's about, I just think that it's a great way Give back. Get get back and give back because we're, we're doing other donation things. Uh, Signature soup, 35%, 35% of the proceeds of all the Midtown Cafe Lemon Artichoke Soup are going to be donated to the Nashville State Community College of Culinary Arts, valid on bowls or quarts of soup purchased in the restaurant October 1st through October 31st, 2022. And I think that most people that hear this are going to be the most excited about this one. And that is that there's going to be a special greatest hits menu featuring fan favorites from the over 35 years. They'll be offered in addition to the regular menu items. So if there, if you're one of those people that are like, why'd you get rid of the, this dish, 
chances are in the month of October, you can come back and feel nostalgic and try some of those dishes. So the month of October, we can just make this Midtown Cafe month. Well, I don't, I don't want a one-day celebration. What I wanted to do was say, here we are, and this is what we're doing, and come see w- what the greatest hits were. You know, there's a sandwich that John Woodard talks about that we used to do that was a pain to make at lunchtime because it took so long because there were so many ingredients to ha- come out of the pantry, and it slowed us down ultimately. Before we got rid of the club sandwich of the Green Hills Grill because right. it takes. So we're going to bring back the you know the tuna with seaweeds you know appetizer which was beautiful and really uh, eclectic and. Uh, Currently avant-garde kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But it's, that's kind of old school now, I guess. But that's the whole thing. I want to bring back the elk, the roasted elk. I want to bring back, you know, the uh, we're I'm classics. Not, I'm not deciding this. The staff is deciding what they want to bring back and try. You know, the hot and sour salmon, uh, or tuna, rather. Uh, just d- things that are really comfortable. We're still in the process of finalizing that because people have got their own things that they think we should have. And we've got all these recipes in written form, not online because our computer got hacked last year and so lost that database. So don't trust on anything unless it's backed up and in the cloud. Trust me. And I, and hell of my own Facebook posting got hacked a week before last and I may get it back this week. Woo. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Welcome to the modern world. Randy, I am so excited for what you're doing at Midtown Cafe. I'm excited for you. It is always an absolute, um, I'm humbled. Honestly, I'm humbled having you here in this room with me, sitting across from me my entire career. Okay, and I started in 1995 at Taco Bell. Welcome to the border. May I take your order? Right, 95, hustling, taking orders, washing dishes to Pizza Hut. And then 1997, started at J. Alexander's on White Bridge Road. Great training. Learned, that was my first weight, weight job. I was 18 years old, just graduated from high school. And I learned about you. Like, you were, you were this figure to me. Like, you were this guy that owned these restaurants, this hugely successful restaurant tour in town. And I love, I love people like that. I'm, I'm not a hater. Like I love Tom Brady. I lo- like the greatness. I, I love greatness and I want to go towards great people. Uh, Dave Ramsey a long time ago said, don't go ask somebody who's been divorced six times marriage advice. You know what I mean? Like right. go find people who've been successful and, 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 and emulate them, do what they do. And you've always been somebody who I've emulated. You've, you've, your, your passion, which the way that you care not only for the city of Nashville, but the hospitality industry is so incredibly selfless. Your contributions to what we, we would not be, this industry in Nashville would not be what it is today without you. You're Your right. fingerprints are all over this thing. And it is an honor to have you in this studio today talking to me. And I cherish these moments and I appreciate your candor. This means a lot to me. Thank for you for being here. I, um, as someone who's not a legend in my own mind, I, I thank you for your kind words. But for me, you know, people I care about are the Tom Morales's and people that I respect, like the Jobo Ledbetter, you know, founded Houston's and now Brick Tops and, yeah. and others. I'm, you know, just and I miss the Houston Thomases, who was a mentor who did, you know, Sperry's and with Jerry Baxter, my best friend, who's 84, you know, who's opened up. 20 restaurants in his career and, and learned the business in Aspen so he could pay for his, uh, you know, ski season 
Time yeah. that moved out there and uh, hated being a, a, a bank teller in Los Angeles. I'll tell you that. And uh, that the, those are the mentors, the Jamie Camaras. And, you know, I've been blessed to know so many people in the industry and to still be friends with Jody and to still be friends with Willie and Yvette and the, uh, the Katie and Stephanie Dean and Joe, their mama, Joe, and just from McCabe and just, I'm, I'm blessed. Because I still love what I do. I can I, tell. Well, if you don't, why are you doing it? It's a great point. You know? I'm, you a, know? Ser- I'm a servant. I, I love to serve. It yeah. brings me joy to see people leave the restaurant happier than when they came. That's why I do it. I do it every day because I love to serve. I love seeing people come back because I recognize them and may not may yeah. or may not remember their name anymore, but I know who they are and talking to them and seeing them, even customers who came in for the first time yesterday, we get a lot of twofers and threefers or even, you know, two times a day, you know, because, Hey, we're here and we, we love your food and that's why we're back. And it's like, Hey, give us a try. Thank you so much because it's that compliment, but I love the positive feedback that makes me feel good about what we're doing. And I miss the cabanas, which I wasn't that active in. I let Craig and Brian run that one. And I'm proud that uh, Amanda uh, Gamble is now with us at, at, at Midtown, who was with Craig for a total of 14 years, counting, uh, came over in June after having been with Elston Soda Shop after we sold Cabana. Once again, I wouldn't sign a personal guarantee on a, another five-year lease. So, uh, next, moving on. Darn yeah, it. There you go. You live, you, you say it and you live. I love that. The final thing that we're going to do, cause we're, we're at our time. Um, again, thank you for being here. But the final thing that we do now, a little different than the first interview I had with you. I feel like today I was, I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. We do the Gordon food service. Final thought that yeah. is a paid advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gordon. <laughs> we love Gordon food. Gordon, Gordon they are food good service people, yeah. is there of all my time working for all the different people, GFS has been one of those companies that is just, they, they do what they say they're going to do. As, and, well, as well as your rep? With, no, I, I, I no, I work with Paul Hunter. Okay, yeah. Paul's an amazing guy. And yeah. they're, they're doing some pretty aggressive stuff here at Nashville right now. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about our final thought, which goes to you. You get to say whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it. You can surmise the conversation. You can give advice. Whatever you want to say as the final thought for this interview, you get to take us out. The, uh, the mic is yours. I realize every day how blessed and fortunate I am to have reasonably good health and to love what I'm doing and to have two beautiful boys in my life, Duke and Dean. They are whom the book is dedicated to. But it's also to all the people that have put up with me as I've grown and learned on the road of life because – you got to love what you're doing and whom you're doing it with, or you need to get out and go somewhere else and do something else. Because happiness, it's life is too short to not be happy doing what you're doing and working with whom you feel comfortable because we're only here for a brief moment in, in, in time, a flicker in the, in the cosmic scheme of things. But, you know, I'm, I'm a dreamer. That Maybe that's why uh, Midtown Cafe is Gandalf LLC. Maybe I just read Tolkien too much. But uh, I look forward to uh, getting Prime and being able to uh, watch, watch the latest version because I, I grew up on escapism because sometimes we need to escape from our lives in the dream. And I 
was able to fulfill my dreams of opening my own restaurant, or as I called it, the grill of my dreams, and made that happen. The grill of your dreams. And be able to uh, enjoy my life to this day and this moment, and to make friends like you. And when you started in the business, your father was, you know, was a regular customer at, at Sunset Grill, and I'd known him before then. And uh, just... That's the blessing I have is that I know thousands of people and care about 99% of them, you know, <laughs> the other 1% ought oh, to help with them. But generationally <laughs> you're talking about, you waited on parents and now you're seeing their kids and even grandkids. I've I mean, got, I got third generation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean like I said, I've been doing this business 47 years, 48 next year. Well, like I said, Randy, it is an absolute honor to have you here. Thank you for taking the time today. I'm excited for the month of October in Midtown Cafe and beyond. It's not just a one-month kind of a thing, but if you want to go try some of the classics at Midtown Cafe, you want to pick up Randy's new book, uh, 35 Years of Midtown Cafe, Sunset Grill. There's recipes, there's stories. Super excited about it. Can't wait to read it. I'm going to have to go get a copy, and I'll go starting a little library over here of all of uh, my favorite books and um Again, thank you for coming in today, and uh, we will we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, and as uh, one of my great throwaway lines that I say to people is, keep those cards and letters coming. It was good enough for Miss Minnie. That's what I say to folks on the way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, Randy, thank you so much. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Randy Rayburn. Love for you guys to give a call out. We'd love for you to sp- use our sponsors The sponsors are on the show. Allow me to continue doing this every single week, and I'm going to keep pumping these things out. I just love sharing these stories. I love telling the stories. I cannot wait to share the story for Flora and Fauna in East Nashville. This is is the greatest, cutest couple I've ever met. Uh, They are the real American dream, and I cannot wait to share this story with you. Thank you guys for listening again, and uh, I'm so looking forward to sharing our episode with Chad Mueller this Friday. So stay tuned. We hope that you are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.